Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. As we mentioned, today is Father's Day, and it, and it is meant to be a day that we do celebrate, that we honor dads. Dads do so much for their kids. But one of the most important things that they do, if not the most important thing that they do, is teach their children lessons. And I'm not talking about the, you better straighten up, boy, or I'm going to teach you a lesson kind of thing, although maybe sometimes there's a little bit of a place for that. I'm talking about the life lessons that dads impart to their kids, whether it's always stand up when you shake someone's hand, look both ways before crossing the street, always say please and thank you, respect the opposing team that you're playing, whether you win or you lose, don't you ever talk back to your mother. And make sure that you thank God for every day that he gives you. These are lessons that our fathers give us. And they give us many, many others. And in the midst of all the lessons that our fathers can give us, and we think about fathers today, Acts chapter 11, 19 to 30 presents some lessons for us to learn as well. This morning we're going to look at the church in the city of Antioch. And we're going to learn three lessons from this church in Antioch that are relevant to our church family as, as, as a whole, but also to our individual lives. And as we study this passage, we're going to see that like this Antioch church, all of us are sent out to preach the gospel and to encourage others. So let's take a look at the first lesson this morning. That is, Antioch was a gospel preaching church. Antioch was a gospel-preaching church. Verse 19 says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord." So, after Stephen was martyred in Acts chapter 8, severe persecution broke out against the church. And many of them were scattered out of Jerusalem to try to flee to other cities that were safer so they wouldn't have this persecution. Well, as those believers were scattered, as they traveled to other cities, they preached the gospel as they went. This is yet another fulfillment of Jesus' words in Acts 1.8, which is essentially the theme of the book of Acts. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So they were his witnesses. They witnessed all over the place, and they witnessed all the way up to Antioch. Antioch was 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And it says that when they started preaching the gospel to the Jews... They didn't only preach the gospel to the Jews. And in Antioch, they actually started preaching to the Hellenists or the Greeks, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And last week, we were reminded that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but the gospel is for everybody, all nations. And so they took it to the other nations. And it says that the hand of the Lord was on them in verse 21. And a great number of these Greeks, these non-Jews, heard the message and believed. 
So many Greeks believe that the first predominantly Gentile church was born in the city of Antioch, where the Gentiles outnumbered the Jews for the first time. Antioch is a significant city, a significant church, as we'll see. Now, this gospel preaching took root and continued so that so many people started believing that word of it reached all the way back to Jerusalem, 300 miles away. Wouldn't that be something if that happened here? If ordinary people like you and me took the gospel to more and more people in our city and and so many people heard it and, and responded with repentance and faith and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that word of it spread, not only in the county, but all over the province and all over the country. And not for the glory of us, not for, oh, the gathering. No, but for the name of God. So that, so that people would hear, oh my goodness, God is up to something in Windsor. What is going on there? Wouldn't that be something? It happened in Antioch. It can happen again. Why not in Windsor? Antioch was a gospel-preaching church, and we need to be a gospel-preaching church. And I'm thankful, so thankful, that we are a gospel-preaching church, but I'm going to say this, it's on each and every one of us to ensure that we remain a gospel-preaching church. The gospel is the trump card. There are all sorts of other things, other activities, other events, other ministries that are good, even really good, but they can distract us from the focus of getting the gospel to more people. The gospel has to remain central, has to be the top priority. Even Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 4. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. First importance. Without the gospel, we've got nothing as a church. I mean, a church that doesn't preach the gospel is like a car that doesn't have an engine. It might look nice, but it ain't going nowhere. Antioch. This church preached the gospel. And dads, if I can, just for a second, if there was one life lesson that needs to rise above all the others, it's teaching your kids the gospel. The second lesson that we learned from Antioch is that it was an encouraged church. Antioch was an encouraged church. The word gets back to Jerusalem. Verse 22, it says, "Uh, The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So to hear the news, they send Barnabas to investigate. Hey, Barney, come here for a second. We need you to send, we've got to send you on a mission. We've heard some stuff's going on in Antioch. Go check it out. Go see what's happening. So he goes. And it says that he was glad when he saw what? It says he was glad when he saw the grace of God at work in Antioch. He was glad because the favor of God was at work and lives are being changed by Jesus. That's what we want. That's what we need for God to do the work, God to work mightily in Windsor, for lives to be changed as people trust in Jesus, for the lost to be found, for the broken and the hurting to find healing 
and comfort and for the downcast to find hope. That's what we want. That's what we need. For more people to be drawn into God's family and taste and see that he is a good, a perfect heavenly father who takes care of his kids. That's what we want. That's what we need. And so Barnabas goes and he was pumped up. He was glad. He was encouraged with what he saw. He got there, sees the grace of God, and he's rejoicing. And then he turns around and then he encourages this church. As he exhorted them to remain faithful and steadfast to the Lord. Funny thing about Barnabas. Did you know that Barnabas' name means son of encouragement? He's the right man for the job. Not only does his name mean it, but that's what he actually did. He says, hey guys, most of them, again, Gentiles. They don't have the history of of being Jewish and and, and the centuries of, of following Yahweh, the one true God. This is brand new information for them. So he's like, guys, this is a new journey for you. Some of you are just starting this. Here's what you need to know. You need to stay the course because this is a marathon. This is not the 100-meter dash. Following Jesus is a marathon. So be encouraged. Don't give up. Don't tap out. Don't run away. Lock arms with each other. Walk forward together. Keep running together. Antioch was encouraged by Barnabas. And as a result of the church being encouraged, it says more people are added to the Lord. So encouragement led to further gospel advance. So as a church, we need to be encouraging each other so that we can then be built up and then have more confidence and more boldness to share the gospel. And you might be thinking, okay, so what exactly does this have to do with Father's Day? Well, I think every father or grandfather here can learn from Barnabas. Verse 24 says that he was a A good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. And verse 23 says he was an encourager. He exhorted the church. Imagine if those things described you, Dad, or Grandpa. We have many good men here, which which is great. But he says, good man, and he was full of the Spirit, and full of faith, and he was an encourager. He was an encourager. Dads, just like Barnabas, we should be known for how we encourage other people, especially our own children. Now, as I have learned mostly through mistakes, being a father of three, dads, we have power to inflate or deflate our kids. We've got, we've got power. We've got influence. We need to be celebrating them cheering them on, supporting them. And not just in the, the regular things that they do, whether it's school, sports, whatever, but encouraging them to remain specifically faithful to the Lord and showing them what that looks like and being honest when we ourselves fail and say, hey, son, hey, daughter, I'm not always faithful to the Lord. I need you to pray for me. Let's try to figure this out together and bring them along the journey, being there when they, when they fall down literally, but then also spiritually and helping to pick them back up. That's what we've got to do as dads, doing whatever we can to point our families to Jesus. But I will say this, you don't have to be a dad to encourage other people in the faith. Barnabas was not the father of these people in Antioch, and he encouraged them all. He became a spiritual father, a spiritual mentor. Each and every one of us can and should be encouraging others to follow Jesus. 
we all know that we need encouragement. We all know that we need reminders, and we love to get it. We love to receive encouragement. Anybody here is like, no, never encourage me, please? I don't think so. We love to get encouragement, so why don't we give it more? We know what it feels like to get it. We need to give it more. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's take time to think about ways to encourage each other. Let us consider how to do this. Not neglecting to meet together. Okay, can't go solo, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Every day that we're alive is one day closer to Jesus coming back. And as every day closer to Jesus coming back, we need encouragement to remember that he's coming back. We're called to encourage each other. So, dads, moms, kids, everybody, here's the question. Who are you encouraging? Who is being built up because of you? Can I challenge you to encourage one person in our church family this week? Specifically, to remain faithful to the Lord. Not just be like, hey man, you're looking good today. That's nice to hear, but a little greater depth. Specifically, find somebody to encourage this week to remain faithful to the Lord. Somebody. Stir them up. Stir them up to love and good deeds. Verse 24, the second part of it, says a great many people were added to the Lord. And then 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So again, the favor of God's on this church. It's continuing to go grow rapidly to the point where Barnabas is now like, I need help encouraging these people. There's so many of them. And it's interesting who he goes to get. He doesn't go back to Jerusalem to get one of the 12 apostles. He goes and he finds his old buddy Saul. Now remember, Saul, just a few chapters earlier, he was the one approving of the execution of Stephen and then going on and kind of leading the charge of the persecution of the church. And then in chapter 9, he has an encounter with the risen Jesus and he's dramatically converted and he goes from persecuting the church to then preaching the gospel. And if you do remember in Acts 9... He tries to kind of make himself known. He tries to join the church. He tries to join the apostles. Hey, I'm on your side. And they're kind of scared because they kind of know who he is and what he's been doing. And Barnabas is the one that accepts him. Barnabas is the one that welcomes him. Barnabas is the one that encourages him and extends that right hand of fellowship. So it's brilliant and encouraging for Barnabas to go find Saul. Brilliant move. He brings Saul into the front lines of disciple-making ministry in Antioch. And they end up staying there for a whole year, teaching the word of God to the people. They invested in this church. They continued to encourage this church. And what Barnabas did for Saul here is a great example of what should be happening in more churches today. Mature believers actively seeking out, encouraging, and enlisting newer believers to come alongside in the work of the ministry. Barnabas needed help. 
Saul had not been a believer for that long. Barnabas is the mature believer. And he seeks him out, brings him in. And here's the thing. Barnabas knew lots. He knew the Lord. You may feel like, I don't know everything about following Jesus. What can I possibly, how can I you know, have a, like an apprentice, a disciple of mine? How can I do that? You don't have to know everything to encourage someone in the faith. Just tell them what you do know. Share what you have learned. Pass on. The, even, if you're, even if you're new yourself, you can encourage someone. I just learned this. Have you read this passage before? And someone goes, I've never read that. Encouragement. Don't think that you've got to be some kind of like level 10 Christian in order to encourage somebody else. There are no levels, by the way. There's just Christian. Find somebody. Find somebody. And while fathers obviously need to do this for their children, you don't have to have your own physical children to be a spiritual mentor. Barnabas did it for Saul. When Saul changed his name to Paul, he did it for Timothy, did it for Titus. You just pause and you wonder, who has God put in my life that maybe I can take under my wing a little bit here and help them to follow Jesus? And I know that there are some people in our church, and they're actively doing this. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Keep it up. And I pray that God would continue to raise up men and women in our church to provide more spiritual mentoring to newer believers here. And newer believers, by the way, doesn't automatically mean younger. You could be teaching someone who's older than you, but they're still newer in the faith. Antioch was a church that preached the gospel, and it also experienced great encouragement. The final lesson that we see in these next few verses is that Antioch was also a sending church. Antioch was a sending church. Look at uh, verses 27 to 30. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus, that's a great name, Agabus, sorry, Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So have Agabus comes up and he has this word of prophecy. It's going to be a great famine coming up. And it eventually did happen. So these disciples, this church in Antioch, they say, we need to send relief back to Judea, back to the brothers in Jerusalem, back to the mother church, so to speak. They were ascending church in the fact that they sent money. They sent material resources to help according to each person's ability, which is a key phrase there. They were not forced to do this. This was voluntary generosity. They wanted to send aid. They wanted to help. And this is what happens when the gospel takes root in our hearts. Our, our priorities start to change. Our desires change. Instead of just wanting to, to do what I want to do and kind of selfishly building up my own kingdom, now I want to help the kingdom of God. I want to help the church. Things start to change. I think it's interesting that Antioch sends this relief. They were the ones who received initial spiritual blessing as the Jews left Jerusalem and brought the gospel with them. They heard the news, the good news of Jesus. They received spiritual blessing, so now in turn they provide material blessing. This is a great uh, turning over there. They realize that they are now part of this one big family of God 
And family helps each other out. And so they helped out their family. When the gospel takes root in our hearts, we don't only offer up our hearts to serve Jesus. We do open up our our wallets and our bank accounts too. Because we realize it's about the kingdom of God. His kingdom, His will, His glory, His plans. This is why we participate in the Easter offering, in the Christmas offering for North American missions and global missions. This is why we specifically earmark funds to support church plants in Sarnia and Goderich and Nashville. We want to be a sending church financially. And I'm going to say this, man. I love bragging about the gathering church. God is doing a work at the gathering church. Your continued generosity just constantly blows me away. God is at work here in helping us to be a financially sending church. So thank you for your generosity. We so, so appreciate it. But see, Antioch didn't just send financial relief. They didn't just send money. If you jump ahead to Acts chapter 13, which we'll get into probably in the fall, but we're jumping there now for a second. Acts chapter 13, 1 to 3. Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Antioch commissioned and sent out their best people, Barnabas and Saul. They sent those guys out. It's interesting. They didn't hang on to their favorite people with clenched fists saying, no, 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 God, don't take them, don't take them, don't take them. They sent them out. Go make disciples in more cities. Go plant more churches. Go, and they trusted God to take care of them. God will take care of us. He already has. Moms and dads, you may not like me for saying this, but we have to fight the temptation to hold on to our kids with clenched fists. God may have a specific plan for your son or your daughter to take them somewhere, to use them in some specific way that is far from us. And we may not like that. We have got to learn to open up our hands and offer up even our children, if God calls them to leave, like the church in Antioch, to send them out, to commission them, and to trust the Lord to care for them. Because ultimately, they are His, and we are simply stewards of them. I don't like saying that because that means now I've said it, I have to live it with my kids, but it needs to be said. Being a sending church may involve sending your own kids somewhere. We want to be a sending church. We want to be a church that commissions people, sends them out all over the world. If you remember, we sent out Jordan Legg to Southeast Asia. He's back in Canada. He's going to be here um, in the month of July, by the way, and he'll be visiting with us, which will be very exciting to hear more from him. 
We sent Nathan Legault to start his ministry career to Prince Rupert, B.C. Last week, we sent out Pastor Mai and his wife Dao to go to Vietnam and Macau, China for a number of weeks to do ministry there. This is our DNA. We want it to be our DNA, woven into the very fabric of who we are. Love, grow, serve, multiply. Multiply, yes, the ministry, small groups, and the gospel advance in Windsor, but multiply elsewhere to the ends of the earth. Because here's the reality. Our people don't leave the gathering. They're sent out from the gathering. They're sent out by God in the power of the Holy Spirit with the message of Jesus. And you know, each and every single one of us are sent out. We meet here Sunday after Sunday. We, we gather to worship. We gather to learn. We gather to be encouraged. We gather to lift each other up. And then we are sent out for the rest of the week. Back to your workplace. Back to your school. Back to your neighborhood. Sent out to your family. And then we gather again. We worship together. We encourage each other. We learn together. Gather and sent. Gather and sent. We're sent out. We're sent out to serve. Sent out to bring glory to God, our great God, our faithful God, our heavenly Father. We're sent out to spread the name of Jesus, that name that is above all other names. You are sent. I am sent. We are sent. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for the encouragement and the lessons that we can learn from the church in Antioch. And God, I pray by the power of your spirit at work in us that we would be a church that is committed to preaching the gospel, that we would never stop, regardless of of who may be sent out from here or who joins here, and you are over all of that, but help us all to remain focused on preaching the gospel. And God, I pray for encouragement, that we would be an encouraged church as we look to your word, but we would be an encouraging church. That we would look for ways to stir each other up, to love and good deeds, to, to remain faithful to you, Lord. And I pray, God, also, that you would help us to be a sending church. Financially, yes, but also sending people out. We don't always like it, saying goodbye to people. Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you, to say, your will be done, not ours. We don't know what your plans all are or who you may be calling to go different places at different times. We don't know that, and we don't need to know that because we know you, and we know that you have it all under control and that you are good, you are wise. So help us to have open hands whenever we need to send somebody out. And God, again, I pray for our dads, our fathers, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers. Would you fill them with your spirit today, that they would be good men, full of your spirit, full of faith, those who encourage others, especially their children. Thank you for your love, Father that we can look to you as the perfect example of love and encouragement and care. 
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.